Hello everyone, I hope you're doing well tonight. Um, it's good to have you here. It's good to have you uh, tune in and listen to what, what the Lord has given us tonight. I'm going to talk about dead or alive, whether we have dead religion or alive religion. You know, for many, many years, I've always been interested in uh, what causes a denomination or, 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 or a spiritual movement to start out just on fire for the Lord with um, many salvations and many miracles. And then over the years or over the decades, it essentially becomes a dead religious institution that just follows <clears throat> rituals and stuff. And why in the world that happens? And it's also intrigued me um, that most of the religious people of Jesus' day the ones who really did know the word of God the most uh, rejected him. The very person that they were believing God for, trusting God for, the one that they'd been waiting for, and and they didn't even uh, realize that Jesus was the Messiah. So there's just basically there's two different types of religion: religion, religion that's alive and pleasing to God and religion that is dead and ineffective. And history teaches us that we always need to be on our guard lest our religion becomes dead. And history teaches us that the most uh, people that are on the most, uh, are on fire for God the very most, um, can just slip off in their fire for God over the years and, and become something that they weren't uh, originally. So um, during Jesus' ministry, he was continually confronted with, with religious people whose religion, unfortunately, was dead and ineffective. Some of these people were a Jewish group of people called the Pharisees. Um, the word Pharisees means separated ones are set apart. They were a social and political group of people. They were ordinary people. They weren't elite people or uh, elected people or anything. They were ordinary people who believed in strictly following the first five books of the New Testament, along with a vast number of uh, traditions and rules and regulations passed down from generation to generation. So they believed in the first five books of the Bible, uh, and they followed it, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, but they also had just heaps and heaps and heaps of traditions passed down from their from their elders. Um, too often they held on to these traditions that were passed down more to God's, more than God's law. And um, also, since they were just ordinary people who also claimed to be spiritually superior to other people, they had earned great respect among the people, the Jewish people, and also they had great respect among the rulers, the Roman rulers, because they, the Roman rulers knew that they, the Pharisees could control the people. Uh, the Pharisees kept themselves apart from other Jews because they felt like they were better than them because they followed the law more. They were just uh, kind of had their noses stuck up in the air, you might say. They always seemed ready to criticize others for not keeping the laws, and they looked down on others as sinners who showed no interest in God's laws. And you can see that in the New Testament, that the Pharisees really looked down on people 
uh, basically anybody who wasn't a Pharisee. All too often they clung to their own laws and traditions more than to God's law. And Jesus rebuked them many times. The Pharisees loved ceremonies. They loved the power of the synagogue and the traditions of the elders. They loved the praises of men more, and their motives were wrong. And Jesus called them hypocrites, acting holy but having evil hearts. Now, not all of the Pharisees were this way. Um, one that I think of is Nicodemus in John uh, 3. He came to Jesus and he asked him questions about the new birth, about being born again. But the reason I'm focusing on the Pharisees is because some of these same failings can be among us as Christians. They can be found among um, any religious people in any age throughout history, these same failings that the Pharisees had. So um, today and in the next week or so, I'm going to uh, just take you through a journey of the book of Matthew, look at the Pharisees and look at what uh, their characteristics were and what caused them to not have a religion that was alive, to have a dead religion that, that Jesus criticized. So um, if we study these things, maybe it can, it can help us avoid the same pitfalls. And if we think that they can't happen to us, then we're in danger of falling into the pitfalls. We always need to be aware of these things. Um, there's so much that we can learn from the lives of the Pharisees to prevent us from becoming people with dead religion. And if we uh, are already there to have some of these uh, characteristics that the Pharisees had, it'd be a good time for us all to repent. And I think that we can all uh, find ourselves, our, our, our things that we've done or attitudes that we've had sometime in our life in the lives of the Pharisees. So, uh, like I said, we'll just be going through the book of Matthew. We're not going to do Mark, Luke, or John, or, or anything that Paul said about the Pharisees. We're just going to look in the book of Matthew. And you will be astonished at how many times the Pharisees come up. They're not just some obscure or remote group of people uh, that we hear about once in a while. They came up over and over and over and over again. The first time that the Pharisees are mentioned is in Matthew 3 when John the Baptist was preaching repentance and baptizing people. So in Matthew 3, verse 1, and I hope you have your Bibles because this is a Bible study. Matthew 3, verse 1, and I, um, all these scriptures are in the NIV that I'm reading. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when they saw many, of, when he saw, John the Baptist saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is ready at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So John the Baptist, he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. He was preaching repent repentance, and he was baptizing every sort of sinner uh, imaginable. 
But when the Pharisees, the most quote-unquote holy group of people, the most religious group of people came to see John the Baptist baptizing and see what he was preaching, John the Baptist had very, very, very harsh words for them. He called them snakes. He told them to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. He um, told them that every tree that does not produce fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So he was very harsh with the Pharisees. And in that day, to John the Baptist, it would have looked, or it should have, or could have looked like it was a great and immense honor for the Pharisees, the, you know, the Pharisees came to hear me preach. That would have been a great honor normally. But John the Baptist, though, did not address them with honor or respect, but confronted them and actually called them names. We can see here that the Pharisees did would not repent. They would not repent and did not produce good fruit. One way that we can see that and know that for sure is later on in the book of Matthew in... Uh, Matthew 12 and Matthew 23, Jesus basically said the same thing to them and called them snakes. So we know that the Pharisees did not take heed to what John said and they did not repent. They did not uh, even acknowledge that they needed to repent because all through the book of Matthew, they stayed the same. The The Pharisees, you know, when we talk, when John the Baptist talked about um them boasting that they have Abraham as their father. So the Pharisees always boasted that they were of the seed of Abraham. And now they're being told by John the Baptist that that doesn't matter one bit. It doesn't matter who they're, who they're descended from. It doesn't matter that they came from Abraham. What matters is how they live. And um, the, the Pharisees were also very proud that they were Jews and Jews and that they were Pharisees and they were not sinners and they were not Gentiles. So John the Baptist was kind of whacking at all that that, that um, the Pharisees thought. See, true repentance, when we're truly sorry and we truly turn around, uh, produces good fruit in our works, in, in our lives, good works such as love and mercy and kindness, forgiveness and compassion and caring for the poor and the Pharisees did not uh, do these things, and they did not really believe in these things. Later on, in, a, in another book of the Bible, in Luke, um, Jesus was addressing the Pharisees, and then, then there's a comment. Jesus didn't say this, but it was written by Luke. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. In other words, because they were baptized by John, they were acknowledging that God's word was right, even sinners and tax collectors. But the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. So in other words, the Pharisees refused to acknowledge what John was preaching, continued to refuse what Jesus was preaching, refused to accept what God wanted for them, and they showed that by not being baptized. In, in regards to repentance, repentance is a really important thing, and the Pharisees were not going to repent, and that's a sign of, of a person with dead religion, is that you can't see that you have any faults, you can't see that you're a sinner, you can't see that you did something wrong, and you can't uh, confess it and repent it before the Lord. 
John Bunyan, the writer of Pilgrim's Progress, has said, If you have sinned, do not lie down without repentance. For the want of repentance after one has sinned makes the heart yet harder and harder and harder. And these Pharisees had hard hearts. They couldn't even acknowledge that they had sinned. And they couldn't repent because they couldn't acknowledge that they had sinned. And that's a, that's a sign of pride. You know, right now, and, and throughout the ages this has happened, but right now it's also happening that there's a whole movement teaching that repentance is no longer required because we're washed in the blood of Jesus, that we no longer need to repent. But the Bible is full of commands and, and, and uh, commands to repent and instructions to repent because we continue to mess up. We continue to have wrong attitudes or wrong actions. And we just need to go before the Lord and acknowledge that and ask the Lord to forgive us. And, and we do know that the blood of Jesus Christ washes us of all of our sins. You know, repentance, we've noticed repentance has gone from so many Christians. Um, most of us, including myself, have trouble recognizing our own faults and admitting our own sins, uh, especially people with dead religion. That is why so many churches, in so many churches, church people do not come to the altar and repent as in maybe past days. Their pride will not let, let them admit that they are capable of sin because they're charismatic or they're word people or they know the word or they go to church or or they watch Christian TV or whatever, whatever they do that they think that they're above sinning. Um, they just can't admit it. We've noticed over the years in pastoring that hardly anyone will admit to doing anything wrong. We've seen that over the years. Just, you know, Pastor Terry and I have talked about, you know, our years of pastoring, and we've noticed that hardly anybody will ever admit to doing anything wrong. Um, not in the church setting, not in the marriage or family setting, not in the work setting. They just, people just have a real trouble doing that. Uh, we have also seen it, this in the in inability of many church people to take correction. People get mad and they get offended. And instead of correcting the problem, they'll just quit or leave. And um, then they'll tell other people about how upset they are, but they will not accept correction. This is a symptom of dead religion and pride. So the first thing I want to get across is the Pharisees will not repent and the Pharisees will not accept correction. So we don't want to have that uh, characteristic in our life because that shows that our religion, our religion, our Christianity is not really working the way that it really should. <clears throat> now the next uh, place we see in Matthew, the Pharisees in, is in Matthew 9. In Matthew 9, verse 1, it says, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus, lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, your son. Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. They're talking about the Pharisees here. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, how do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? So we see here that Pharisees are critical, judgmental, and had evil thoughts about the Lord in their hearts. 
So we need to think about ourselves, you know, are we critical? Are we judgmental of people? Do we have evil thoughts in our hearts toward people or toward the Lord? You know, we really need to, um, this is a, a, a exercise that we really need to do every day to uh, take all criticalness out of ourselves, to stop ourselves from being judgmental or having any evil thoughts in our hearts about anyone. It's really important. So the first one is Pharisees will not accept, uh, will not repent or accept uh, correction. The second is Pharisees are critical, judgmental, and had evil thoughts about the Lord in their hearts. The next one is right after that in Matthew 10, or 9, verse 10. It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In this scripture, we learn that the Pharisees were self-righteous. They relied on the law and on human traditions to be righteous. And Jesus is wanting people to rely on him and God and his his goodness to be righteous. And we find out that the Pharisees were not merciful. They had no mercy. They looked down on people called sinners. They looked down on the tax collectors. They actually thought that they were better than them. So we always need to watch out that we're not self-righteous, that we're not depending on all the good uh, religious things that we do, like, well, I read my Bible. Well, I go to church. Well, I tithe. You know, we don't need to be uh, relying on these things to be right with God. We can only rely on the blood of Jesus. Um, they were also relying on a bunch of human traditions, like how to wash your hands and things like that to keep them righteous before God. But those things don't do it. God wanted these Pharisees to be merciful and compassionate, and they were not. So we need to always keep in mind that we need to be merciful. We need to be merciful about people that we think are not, that are sinners or tax collectors or, you know, the tax collectors back then were like the mafia is now. So we need to be compassionate and merciful toward those that are evil and sinful and are trying to steal our money and are criminals. We need to be merciful. We need to have the mercy of God. You know, Jesus died for these people and we need to have the same attitude. We don't need to call them names and, and write them off, but we need to have mercy and compassion on them. The next thing, uh, I believe it's in the same chapter. We're still in chapter 9 of Matthew. Here come the Pharisees again. Matthew 9, verse 32. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed. See, the people, the regular people, the common people, the sinners, the, the crowds, they were amazed. Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisee said, 
It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Wow, that really says a lot to me. Um, there are a lot of people that recognize what a wonderful thing has happened, and they were so thrilled that this man who was possessed by a demon and couldn't speak was healed. But the religious people were not happy. The Pharisees are not happy when someone is released from torment. The Pharisees demonized Jesus. The Pharisees had to keep their hold on people and felt like they could do this if they delegitimized Jesus. The Pharisees spoke about something very holy from God in a very blasphemous way. That's not good. So I just want you to think about, you know, when things like that happen at your church, when people, people are healed, are you amazed? Are you thankful? When God moves in a mighty way in somebody's life to help them, are you thankful? Are you awestruck? Are you amazed? Or it's just like, oh, well, you know, just another day at church. We need to always be awestruck at the mighty works of God. And also, we recognize here that the Pharisees were trying to maintain their power. People with dead religion try to maintain their power by tearing other people apart. And we really need to recognize that. Uh, when somebody starts calling people names and demeaning them and demonizing them, a lot of times it's just to maintain power. And we need to be very careful to stay away from those kind of people. We need to keep our religion alive and full of compassion. People with dead religion do not care about blaspheming God and his holy name. They don't care about blaspheming Jesus or the Holy Spirit, and they have no problem tearing apart God's ministers. So we need to be really careful to keep our religion alive and keep our attitudes in our mouth correct. The next thing is in the next chapter of Matthew, Matthew 10, verse 17, Matthew 10, 17. It says, be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. So they're talking about the Pharisees to be care, be on your guard against the Pharisees, be on your guard against the religious people because they will hand you over and flog you. They'll beat you. Religious people will beat you. I remember when I was teaching on the Beatitudes, I was reading the very words of Jesus about being merciful and about being meek. And a member of our church got very angry with me, voicing the opinion that we should not be merciful if a person is a, of the opposing political party. Well, Jesus didn't say anything about that at all. Jesus told us to love our enemies and hate those who persecute us and be merciful toward all. And, you know, religious people are going to beat you up for saying things like that. When you find fault with the words of Jesus and do not, do, don't want to apply them to your life, your religion has become dead. When you become offended at the very words of Jesus, when he tells you to love your enemy, and they just so happen to be of the opposing political party, and, and you're not going to do that, you're not going to do that, <laughs> then your religion is dead. Pharisees persecute those who stick with the word of God. Next, in Matthew 12, verse 1, it says, At that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. 
when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are going, doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. We can see that the Pharisees are fault finders. In fact, they were such bad fault finders. They were just walking around, (coughs) excuse me, trying to find fault. They were watching. They were watching for anything that they did wrong that they could criticize. So be careful that you're not a fault finder. I think we all have to deal with this from time to time, finding fault with other people. And we shouldn't be in that business. We shouldn't be in the business of finding fault with other people. If finding fault is our business, then we have dead religion. If you, you know, some people say, well, I don't do that. I don't find fault. But they listen to people continually crabbing about other people and finding fault with other people. And so if you listen to it, you're in the exact same category and you don't want to do that. Go back to the first point. Repent and shut the fault finder out from your life. You don't want to be associated with them. The next one is in Matthew uh, 12. I think we're already in Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 9. It says, going on from that place, he, who is Jesus, went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. See, here they are. They're just they're just lying in wait, trying to find fault with Jesus. They, the Pharisees, asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Verse 13, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Isn't that astonishing? The people who are waiting for the Messiah, the people who knew the first five books of the Bible better than anybody else there, they were going to try to kill Jesus. That is just incredible. Pharisees try to destroy those who are bringing life and love and compassion to people. Isn't that a very sad commentary? Pharisees, the Pharisees cared more about their animals than about hurting people. The Pharisees wanted to kill someone who might take away their position of power. I wonder how many people who are chanting, hang Mike Pence, professed to be Christians. If they did, they had a dead religion because they were trying to take away the life of someone who was, who was, they thought was taking away their power. We need to get down, down to the nitty gritty on these things and where it really affects us. We need to be careful that we don't slide into dead religion and become like the Pharisees. We need to be full of love and compassion and mercy for all people. The next one is in Matthew 12. We're still in the 12th chapter. There's oodles and gobs to say about the Pharisees. Matthew 12, verse 22. It says, Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. Isn't that wonderful? And the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? 
Meaning, could this be the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only Beelzebub, the prince of demons. That fellow drives out demons. The common people could recognize the great gift that God had given them. The Pharisees could not see it, would not see it, and were not amazed, were not thankful. So I just encourage you to keep your spiritual eyes open and waiting for God's blessing and provision and be thankful. So as a reminder on this scripture, scripture, the Pharisees had their eyes closed. They couldn't see what was right in front of them. They couldn't see the miraculous wonders that God was shedding down on them because their eyes were closed. They couldn't see it. They weren't amazed and thankful. So be sure to keep your spiritual eyes open and waiting for God and for his blessings. So we're going to stop here and pick up next week. We're going to continue on in the book of Matthew about the Pharisees. There's so much said about the Pharisees in the New Testament. So it's really important for us to know about them, know what their character traits were, so we can avoid being like them. So this week, I just encourage you to think, think about the Pharisees, think about what I've said, and just assert your own heart and see if there's anything in your heart that might might lean a little little bit that way. And think about, is your religion alive or dead? And before next week, I just encourage you to read Matthew 23. Almost the whole chapter is devoted to Jesus talking about the Pharisees. And remember, these people were religious people. They attended synagogue. They knew the they knew the law. I mean, these are the people that should have been the most hooked up with Jesus, but they won't. So I want you to uh, read Matthew 23 before next week, and we'll be sharing sharing that and sharing other things about uh, the Pharisees from the book of Matthew. So I want to thank you for listening today. I want you to um, share this if you enjoyed it, if it helped you share this and and just um, share it with other people. And um, I hope you have a good evening and God bless you and bye-bye.